Welcome to Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where we connect authors with new listeners and provide advice to aspiring authors on the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter. Hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. And today I have the privilege of introducing you to a New York Times bestselling author, Laura Munson. So Laura, say hi to the listeners. Hello, everybody. I'm really happy to be here and to have this conversation with you. Thanks for having me, Vicki. You are so welcome. So listeners, it has been quite a journey getting Laura on the podcast. We had to reschedule because I was sick a couple of times and I had computer glitches, but we are here and I'm so happy to have Laura on. Um, So Laura, you are what I call one of my special guest authors because you're not necessarily in Washington or Oregon. So share with us where you live. Well, I once lived in Seattle and um, spent a lot of time in Portland, and I love the Pacific Northwest. So I'm in the northwest corner uh, near Glacier National Park. Um, so in this section of Montana, we still call ourselves Pacific Northwest, which makes me happy. It's about an eight-hour drive to Seattle from here. Oh, oh, that's not bad. I mean, it's only like a three-and-a-half-hour drive for me <laughs> from the south going up, right? <laughs> so I'm in Whitefish, Montana, which is a wonderful uh, mountain community. Oh, beautiful. And I bet it's absolutely gorgeous. That's one of the destinations I do want to get to. Um, I haven't been to Montana. I've driven through Montana, but I haven't actually stopped and stayed and visited. So that's on my to-do list, my bucket list. (laughs) Great. You know someone in Whitefish. You can also take the train, which is really fun. Now that's right up my alley because I prefer to like be a passenger. I don't necessarily want to do all the driving because I like to spend time to write and enjoy myself and look at everything. So I should take the train. That'll be a blast. All righty. So Laura, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have quite an awesome background and career and listeners, Laura and I were chatting um, before we started. So I'm super excited for her to share some of her background. So let's start with this. Um, Are you writing full-time? Are you one of the privileged people that have had the opportunity to move to full-time writing? Um, Or do you have a a day job that you split like me? Uh, Like almost every writer I know, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) Well, back in my Seattle days when I was writing my first novels, I was a nanny and I worked at a little uh, groovy hippie uh, bakery in Fremont. So cool. (laughs) managed an apartment building and worked at flower shops and I've kind of done it all. Um, I, um, I started something called Haven Writing Programs about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I've served almost a thousand people now from all over the place, lots of people from the Pacific Northwest. Most of the people who come are writers. Many of them who come are simply seekers who are trying to get a better sense of their unique and essential voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a really non-competitive environment, but it really meets you where you need to be met. So that's what I do um, on top of writing books. So um, I, uh, I wrote a memoir about nine years ago that did um, end up becoming a New York Times an international best-selling book called This Is Not the Story You Think It Is. Mm-hmm. And, um, the short version of that was in the New York Times Modern Love column and had a huge response. Um, so that's kind of how I got on the map. But fiction has been my love, even though I'm known for memoir now, um, fiction has been my love from the beginning and all the way back to my Seattle days. So um, I have about eight novels that I hope to be coming out after my forthcoming novel, which is my debut novel, even though it's, I've written many more than this one. Um, <laughs> this one's coming out this spring and I couldn't be more excited. And actually, my publisher is from Oregon, Blackstone Publishing. So oh, yeah, yeah. Connection. 
Oh, how wonderful. I love it. And that's the, one of the reasons why, so we were connected from another author, <clears throat> Bill, that um, mentioned you to me. And he's like, Vicki, you have to meet Laura because um, of my journey. I'm just starting out in in writing and also building a community around me. And, and this podcast actually started all of it. And it started for me asking questions from authors that I knew in my area. How did you get published? Because it's a whole different world these days than what I knew um, when I looked at it years ago and developed community. Um, so the podcast is an extension of that. And so share with us a little bit about <clears throat> uh, your writing workshops, because those are so super fascinating. I want to make sure my listeners really hear those and, and kind of what you do around those, because I think it's important. And I may find myself there <laughs> myself. I would, I would love that. I, any of your listeners um, would most likely be a great match for all things Haven. So well, for years and years, back in those Seattle days, I also lived in Boston. I'm from Chicago originally, although I've been in Whitefish for almost 30 years. I still can't believe that. Um, in in those days, I, I I told myself I needed to do it alone. I got into a, an MFA program, um, but I, I, I said, I just want to cut my teeth on real life. And so that's what I did. And that's why I had all those odd jobs and um and I told myself I was uh, too stubborn to engage in community. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I think now with um, some age on me, I'm 53 now, I can look back and see that I was really too scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go to Elliott Bay Book Company back when it was in Pioneer Square and I'd listen to authors and really did it alone for a long time. And then I went to see Natalie Goldberg speak and I'd been following her work. Um, at that time, she was promoting... Um, wild mind after writing down the bones, which I I recommend her work to anybody who is um, working on books or just trying to get out of their own way on the page, which is so Mm -hmm. many of us, if not all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, She that night got together a group of people who then um, ended up starting a writing group based on some of the teachings in her books. And that little writing group met religiously every Monday night for five years and we still meet up at the Sleeping Lady um, Retreat Center up in Leavenworth, Washington every year. Oh, that's so awesome. And I learned the power of community. We do a lot mm-hmm. of improvisational writing together. And from that time, I realized you don't have to do it alone. In fact, you shouldn't do it alone. And uh, one of my favorite authors and, and mentors, Terry Tempest Williams, says, we write in a solitude born of community. Mm. And that's a principle I really apply at my retreats. So while we are, you know, writing is such a solitary act, it's based on the collective. And that's why it's so important to have community. So Haven has almost a thousand alums from every demographic because I also have a foundation that can provide scholarships Mm. Um, from all over the world. We've had people come from Saudi Arabia and India and Australia which is currently burning. Love I know. <laughs> Zealand, all over the world and all throughout the United States, Canada, Mexico. I'm really proud of how, how diverse the demographic is. And what everyone who comes values is this idea of putting their heart in their hands and being vulnerable and supportive and really working with the programs that I put together. So I now have Haven One, which is my um, initial program that everyone has to do first. I, I also offer editorial programs for people mm-hmm who are working on books on the Haven One level. And then there's Haven Two, which is a workshop, like an artist salon, which we hold at my house for Haven alums only. And then Haven Three is when I become your one-on-one editor. And those books, because of the protocol that they follow through Haven One and Two, 
are so solid by the t- by the time they they reach the Haven Three level, and it's so much more cost effective um, than just doing it on your own. So, so I'm really, really um, in huge support of what you're doing and um, community in general because we need it. It is okay. scary. I say mm-hmm. writing ain't for sissies. Oh, it's not, Laura. This is exactly why I think Bill said I needed to bring you on because <laughs> I shared a little bit with him. But I'm going to share with everybody on the radio on the radio, sorry, the podcast. I'm in radio mode, people, because I'm talking about radio lately with some other situations. So um, so the whole big thing for me, and and I don't think I've shared this on the podcast, so I'm being real and, and authentic. That's one of the, the things that I'm, I really put out for myself for 2020 is to be really authentic and share with everybody some of the struggles I go through. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not easy to do that. So, but, um, so for years, my husband and I were involved in a very super huge community in the church and, um, we did a lot and we traveled and we were in missions and we went all over the world. And then we, at one point we left and I didn't have community any longer. And, um, it had been a good eight or 10 years that I was really focused on leaving my general area, my location of where we lived, because I felt like I could never become the writer or the person that I'm supposed to be living in the vicinity that I'm in because of so many things in my past. And, you know, and I didn't feel like I was scared to go back out and find community again because of some of the experiences that we had. And I suffered. Anybody that knows me at that time knew that I hated where I lived. I had no community. I I just really was um, negative about, um, I was just like, I'm going to do it all myself. And then literally about two years ago, I woke up and had this epiphany of I'm striving so hard to leave where I'm at to find community. And I'm just going to go to another location and never find it because you have to build the community you need around you. And and it just opened everything up for me. And then I started to talk to authors in the local area that I never knew existed. You know, I started to look for people that were writing and that started this whole journey for me from the podcasting and started to really open up my writing, even though I hadn't started to meet with people yet. My writing just became the creative aspect became released because I was letting go of that negativity and I was starting to open myself up and saying yes and talking to people. And then I was invited to this really great writers group that has been phenomenal for me. Um, So all of that to say, I'm a total believer in what you are doing and what you're sharing, but it didn't come for me out of a place of oh my gosh, I really need people. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to death to get into a community again and be vulnerable with people again. Well, and also, you know, Vicki, and this is a huge subject in, in the, my novel that's coming out um, this spring, Willow's Grove, it's called, you know, a grove is one organism. Did you know mm-hmm. that? An, as- an aspen grove is one organism. I didn't know that. And so the women in this book become their own organism and the, the protagonist is named Willa. So it's Willa's Grove. But the, the central message in the book is that sometimes our daily communities, the community that, you know, where we drive our kids to school together or, mm-hmm. you know, support each other in the sidelines of sporting events or run into each other at the grocery store. Sometimes those, those communities can actually be really fraught because mm-hmm. they each other so personally. And and I believe in the, the essential importance of connecting with your local community. But mm-hmm. I also see in my writing retreats how powerful temporary or outer or new community mm-hmm. can be. 
especially when we're gathering in a very, like you said, authentic, intentional way. Um, for the people who come to Haven, they often are coming from far away. So they're taking a huge stand for themselves, um, both time-wise and financially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all, these groups bond so quickly that it just bl- blows me away. One woman said, this is the best family reunion I've never been on. <laughs> I've I never been on, she said. And then she, uh, you know, and they always say, we're your best group, right? Like it couldn't be like this. <laughs> and I have to break the news to them that with these sorts of temporary communities where people feel safe and held and like mm-hmm. they can really work with the program and it's not about the facilitator, it's about the program. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they connect so quickly and that's something that I feel is really important for writers that we, um, you know, how many times do you, I bet all of you who are listening can relate with this. How many times when you go to a party or you meet somebody new and you say you're a writer or you're writing a book, do you just get like this blank stare? All the time. <laughs> right? And then the dread question, where can I find your book? It's like, yeah, yeah. Or here's my dread question. When is your book coming out, Vicki? Or haven't you been writing it for a year and a half? <laughs> And it takes years. They don't get it. And that's why Uh readers really need writers because we do understand. And, you know, if we show up in a loving, supportive, real way, that's who we're going to attract. I've never met a mean writer. I just, oh my goodness, not one in the bunch, only the most supportive, um, loving, understanding people. And, you know, if you do want traditional publishing, you do need to get an agent and you'll be working with editors and publishers, depending on where your book lands in that Mm -hmm. world. But what I have found, even though I absolutely adore my agent like a sister, and I I was lucky enough to work with a great and almighty Amy Einhorn, who uh, edited my first book. She also edited The Help, Big Little Lies. Um, She's everything she touches turns to gold. And I was very lucky to work with her. Um, I, I loved working with her. I love the editor I'm working with now. At the end of the day, I've noticed really that it's the writers that stick together and we Mm -hmm. need each other. We need each other's support. Mm -hmm. Laura, it's so timely because, and I think that's why when I had this conversation with um, Bill, who you guys, um, if you're listening to this podcast in sequence in order, Bill's already come on and he was such an inspiration for me. Um, But I think that was the timely factor because I do feel like it's such a journey, but most of us will go through similar stages along the journey. We might not go through them right immediately, but um, with each other. But for me, the next step was I'm still in that phase of when I do get this first book done, Where what am I going to do? Am I going to self-publish? Am I going to take the jump and try to find an agent, which scares the bejeebies out of me. And I'll tell you a reason why my listeners know this, but, and then am I going to go traditional? But my husband was also in the music industry. And so we lived through contractual, we lived through management, we lived through all that and all of it was good to a point and then it soured. And so I was telling my husband the other day, that I have a total fear of traditional publishing because of our experiences in the past with the music industry. Well, one thing it's done is made me very savvy about what can happen, but also put some fear in me. And, and um, one thing that Bill said to me in our interview, he said, don't self-publish because you're afraid to try it traditional. And I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> he nailed me and he doesn't even know me. <laughs> it was hilarious. And so I, I was telling my husband, I go, I think I'm afraid to do traditional publishing because of our past and I shouldn't allow that to happen. So 
So I love the fact that you're building community because I don't think I could have that conversation with anybody else except for an author that has had experiences to understand where that might come from. Well, and you know, part of my expertise has to do with the fact that I have worked with, um, you know, the big top guns at Penguin Random House and I got to go on a book tour when my hardback came out you know, and then the, a year later when the paperback came out, I, you know, I lived the dream. I, I got to go on Good Morning America. We were asked to go on Oprah twice, but we had to turn it down because- Oh, I love Oprah. <laughs> I love Oprah too, but we had to turn it down because it, it wasn't the right match for the context of the book. Yeah. So like, I walked in complete integrity, knowing the message of my book, and that's who I attracted all throughout the whole process. Like what major marketing team turns down the Oprah Winfrey show? Yeah. You know, um, and and it, it was just one person with integrity after the next. I yeah. would love to go on Oprah. Are you kidding? It just, yeah. again, it wasn't yeah. the right context for the show. And so I guess my point is that that there are many different ways to find your audience. And these mm-hmm. days there's, uh, there are hybrid publishers. I really mm-hmm. love She Writes Press, Brooke Warner. Originally oh, I love She Writes Press. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're wonderful. We have lots of Haven alums who have published with them. You get traditional marketing with them too, which is really wonderful. And it's mm-hmm. full of very, very um, like big five savvy um, uh, people in, that, that used to be in big five publishing and now mm-hmm. they're in hybrid. Um, and then there's some really great self-publishers out there. It's very different than it used to be. In fact, um, your audience should know about Girl Friday Productions. They're out of Ooh. Seattle and Portland. And, um, they are full of wonderful editors, um, people who can help you with websites, your marketing strategies. So They're, super cool. It's great. Yeah, Girl Friday Productions. I'll so, make sure that's on show notes, everybody. So when you're um, not driving I-5 to your job, <laughs> you can run in and look it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the main thing is, is that you want to find your readers, the people who need your book, the mm-hmm. people who are a true match for it. And I, this is similar to what Bill said to you, I think, that we shouldn't run scared. You know, We don't have to feel like beggars. We're choosers. We're creating this book. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that in your reader, um, if you, you know, go traditional, then your editor, your agent, or wh- whoever it is that you work with, you're looking for your emotional, intellectual, and where applicable, spiritual match. Mm, that is so... Awesome. I call it a partnership. That's how I kind of lump all those three things together. Um, and that has been my big thing is that I really believe that if you're supposed to work with somebody like that, they should be your partner in every way in the process of getting your book out there. And you should have that connection spiritually, emotionally, and and technically, right? <laughs> well, yes. And uh, the, the, it's so hard to have the courage to do this. And again, that's why we shouldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I feel like the times where I have had rejection, which of course there's been lots of it along the way, I have to look at it like, you know what? It wasn't a good match. They didn't mm-hmm. really get my book mm-hmm. and they're not going to help me um, build that bridge to the reader that I long to build. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's okay. You have to have faith in your, your book. As m- many people say, and I say it too, the book is the thing. The book is the thing. Don't worry about the book proposal. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about building a platform yet. Just if, if, if you are a book writer or if you're an essay writer, or whatever it is that you're trying to complete, have it be that the product is what matters. What you mm-hmm. are creating is where it begins and ends. 
And I think all too often people are focusing on the business side of it um, and they've put the cart before the horse, so to speak. You gotta get, you gotta figure out who you are on the page and build your craft and sit at that intersection of heart and mind and craft that is the writing life with all your heart. And sometimes it takes a long time. No, Laura, you're speaking to me. So every time an author comes on, they share this kind of wisdom. It literally is speaking to me like I'm, oh man, you're meant to say this because no, I, I totally get that. I, 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 I love the business of getting things out there. I love social media. I love all this aspect of it. And I love writing, but I haven't been able to balance the writing with the business part of it yet. I'm working very hard on that this year <laughs> to make sure that I give me the time and space to do the writing. Cause that's really what it all started out doing to start with. <laughs> to cultivate a delight in your writing, yeah, even if you're yeah. writing a dark material or a longing for your writing, like yeah. a, like a little girl faking sick so that she can finish reading the Black Stallion series or writing her. Yeah. Journal. Oh my God. The Black Stallion was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> <a little> girl. <laughs> I love, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, let's talk a little, and thank you so much for sharing that because I honestly believe that um, what authors share that inspires me, I know that goes out if it hits one more listener out there than it was meant to be. So thank you so much um, for sharing all that. Let's focus in on you and not so much you counseling me. <laughs> um, tell us about your titles that are published. Um, so, so, cause you have some that are pretty well known. So tell us about that. And then let's talk about the writing process for you. Let's dig a little bit deeper in that with you. Um, okay. Well, like I said, I um, have a memoir that um, is called This Is Not the Story You Think It Is, A Season of Unlikely Happiness. That came out in 2010 with Amy Einhorn Putnam under the Penguin umbrella. And that was the um, that was the book that helped me get my start. And the short version of it was called Those Aren't Fighting Words, Dear. And um, they were published in the modern, that essay was published in the Modern Love column. Um, the book was already written and that that essay went viral and it was, um, <laughs> talk about process. It was, it was when I got really intentional about why I'm writing in the first place, I was able to condense in one hour, the book that was already written. And while I'd been rejected from modern love, which is like the Holy grail for essay writers in many ways, um, personal, um, essay writers, um, I finally got a hit. And that day when I got the email that said, this one, we're going to take, was the day my career started. And mm. that was probably 20 years in or 15 years in. Mm. And so process. So that, that's the, that's where I got my start today. Well, you know, the modern love um, column now is a, a Amazon prime mm -hmm. uh, uh, series and it's doing really well. My essay is the number two most read uh, essay in, in the history of the column, which I still can't believe because after all the years of working so hard and you know, that, that just flowed out of me and wouldn't, you know, here's another little tip for all of you writers out there. Um, when people say, find your voice, what does that mean? I think mm -hmm. it's a pretty high claim. I, I claim it all the time because I see it happening at Haven. But what I really mean by that is that when things are flowing, when, when it comes naturally, when you lose track of time while you're writing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, when you're in your voice. And that's what happened to me with that essay. It just came out. So 
so that that brought me around the world um, promoting that book. It was published in nine countries and went on Good Morning America, which was <laughs> interesting being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos. Oh my goodness. Uh, and uh, But if I hadn't spent all those years at that intersection that I was talking about, that is the writing life, I think I would have been absolutely terrified and deer in the headlights um, the whole time. But instead, and I said this when I walked into you know, the, the big halls of <laughs> New York publishing, I said, I know that I'm supposed to be afraid right now, but I'm not because I know the writer that I am. I know the woman that I am. Mm-hmm. I know the message of this book because I know how that essay um, landed in so many people's hearts. Mm-hmm. That I got to hear from people all over the world. And I will be a tireless messenger for this book and all of their shoulders. This is the top marketing and publicity team in all of New York publishing. So I should have been scared. (laughs) I just, you know, maybe it's that Pacific Northwest air, but I just, my everybody's shoulders just sort of dropped five inches and it was like, okay, team, let's go. Um, So now, now the next book that's coming out is Willow's Grove and it comes out this spring and I'll be touring around the country probably for 2020 and I'll be coming to Seattle and Portland many times um, and throughout, throughout 2020. Oh, I love it. And so give us a little bit of process for you. Do you have um, a specific, I mean, you talked about the, how I feel the really artistic aspect of writing in the flow. But do you have to set that stage for yourself because you're so busy, you know, and most of us writers are super busy in the day. And to get to that place for that flow, we might need some sort of routine or we need to, like for me, I actually schedule it on my calendar. So I make sure that I get all my writing time in uninterrupted, which is the big deal. So what's kind of your process for you? Do you have a specific time in the day you write? Do you have, do you write just when inspiration hits? That kind of thing. Talk us through that. Well, I'm also a mother and yes. I, always, my, my children are, they've, they've, they've grown and flown. And, um, but I used to always say that I'm, I'm raising flexible children. <laughs> and so when people ask me this question, I, I say, I have raised a flex, a flexible writer in myself. <laughs> oh, and cool. yeah. you also, a good question to ask yourself is, are you a rule follower or mm-hmm. a rule breaker or a mm-hmm. little bit of both? Mm-hmm. So for the rule followers, it's really important to schedule your time and commit to it. It's important to write um, some sort of a writing statement. We do that at, at Haven. Mm-hmm. Uh, to set your sights, to be accountable to yourself. Um, sometimes people need to leave their homes in order mm-hmm. to write. And so they go to a corner cafe and put earphones in and listen to their favorite you know, classical music. Um, if you're a rule breaker and you put that on your calendar, you're going, if you say, I'm going to write every morning for three hours, Monday, when, I mean, you know, whatever, I'm going to write mm-hmm. for three hours, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Never happens. You'll, you'll <laughs> write for five hours, Tuesday, Thursday. And exactly. Tuesday, right. So that's, that's more the way I am. Cause I really do look at it. Like I'm a little girl, like getting away with something, even mm-hmm. if I'm writing about something really difficult. So, and I'm also on deadline a lot now. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've been published in most of the glossy magazines and big newspapers, and that's pretty fun to finally have them coming after me and asking me to write about something and giving me a deadline, that rebel in me kicks in. And um, it's pretty interesting to see the difference between <laughs> when I'm writing just uh, for myself for a book that I'm hoping to finish or when I'm on deadline for mm-hmm. a small you know, publication. But I, for me, I, I say writing is my practice, my prayer, my meditation, my way of life. Mm-hmm. And it's my way to life. 
And so to be really clear about why you write in the first place is the place to start. Mm-hmm. And so I treat my writing life the way I would treat um, a, medi- a life of you know, contemplation or reflection. It's, it's how I make it through life. It's how I navigate this beautiful and heartbreaking mm-hmm. thing called life. So for instance, when my children were little, um, I would write once I got them to school um, until I picked them up. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, um, you know, I had various jobs mostly at night um, like, or on weekends at different times. It, it's always been very flexible. Um, now, because of Haven, I bring, you know, I'm leading about, I'm leading a retreat or one of my advanced programs almost every month. Mm-hmm. So I have to be really clear about my writing time um, mm-hmm. for myself, but also just to be a good uh, facilitator, right? So mm-hmm. and the, teacher, the teachers out there, you need to fill your cup too. Mm-hmm. So I, Absolutely. I, do, I don't do a lot of writing in the summer. Um, it's it, I do um, a lot of writing in the winter. So this mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. kind of dormancy time and a, a good time for me to write. But I, I usually have my like best creative juices are around like 9 a.m. till about 3. Mm-hmm. Mine too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm no good in the evening and no. I really am no good in the early morning. But there were times when I had no other choice. And yeah. so I set the alarm for god-awful 5 a.m. And yep, you, know, yep, you, you can call on your muse um, wherever you are, remember that, even if you're writing in a, you know, a napkin in a restaurant, you just, Mm -hmm. your muse needs to be flexible. How about that? I love that. And I, I appreciate that because that's really similar to how I am as well. I do like to put time on my calendar. I even restructured my day job. So I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I work from home, but I work in higher ed. So like you said about the teacher, you know, I have to pour out and you also have to make sure you fill up <laughs> because you're pouring out all the time. I work with hundreds of students every single week as they work towards their goals to finish their bachelor's and I'm their mentor and I love it. It's a wonderful job and it gives me lots of flexibility, but you would think I'd have lots of time in the day to write, but I don't because I'm busy helping my students. <laughs> you know, that's the yeah. priority. And so I tried the whole early morning writing thing and I'm like, the only good thing about mornings for me is if I do a workout in the mornings because I'm not focused on <laughs> anything else. And then I've done the early evening thing, you know, late evening thing. And that was, I was too tired. So I write in the day when I can structure, you know, get some time in. And and that's when I'm between nine and three, (laughs) when I can squeeze it in. And that's when I, my muse is the most active and creative, I think. (laughs) So Yeah. Well, unto thine own self be true, as my That's grandpa true. used to say, you know, so, you know, you don't go at it with like, you know, like this sort of, you know, somebody holding a whip and, you know, <laughs> trying to yeah, yeah. ground you into a, it should be a loving relationship with this, yeah. you know, so and that's true. That is the truth of who you are and what your schedule is like. And, and then the value of filling your cup, teaching the way you do, you need to fill your cup. And yeah. it sounds like you created a way to make that happen. So good for you. Well, the wonderful things for me that I found, like we talked about community, I never really realized how much community was going to help fill that cup up. Um, at times, it can be a little demanding when you're doing something like a podcast, because I have that's a whole nother aspect of me reaching out to authors and getting them on the show and then developing the community around that as well. Luckily, it's a community around writing. So I get to be around a lot of writers. But, um, but 
I have had so much fun with the podcast because it does fill me up. Like you coming on the show and sharing what your journey has been like really is selfish for me because I'm using it as a filler, filling me up. So, and, and others get to benefit from that. So, so well, it brings me great joy. I mean, that's why I, I feel like the luckiest woman alive. I love what I do for a living. Yeah. Yeah. I love when I get paid for, for um, what I write also. That, that's that's mm-hmm. always nice. Um, but yeah. my main income is through my writing retreats. And I am going to be launching an online class. It's oh, so super cool. <laughs> and a master class. And it's going to be about um, 10 hours of content. And I'm going to mm-hmm. be... My, my website is currently under re- reconstruction. And it should be up. Um, I mean, it's still up. It's lauramunson.com, but um, it'll be the new and improved version. And um, probably by the end of the month, or well, I see by the time this airs, it'll already be up. And by then I would, will also hopefully have um, my online class launch. And I am hoping that that will free me up. Um, but even if I had all the money in the world, I would still lead retreats and workshops. Yeah. because I yeah. love work just like you love yours. It's, it's truly, it feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, there's, there's something great. So I'm in an online masterclass right now for with uh, Sarah Warren, who does podcast. She does an online masterclass now called Podcast Now. But her um, podcast right now has been something that's just been super inspiring to me. She's wonderful. So I'm doing a masterclass. And I never thought I would do anything like that because I really struggle with investing in myself. Um, I'm fine with investing myself when it came to education. You know, it was like, this is legit. Everybody, you know, follows an education. Not everybody, but most people understand the education model <clears throat> for investing in yourself. But on a creative side of it, <clears throat> investing in yourself for the craft of writing or for me, the craft of podcasting, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Um, that's where the investment in myself was something I struggled with to justify until I just this, this year I said, you know what? It's a craft and I have to build on those skills just like I did when I was in college. I had to build on my skills for other things. And so um, I love online classes and it's such a great reach for people that can't make it to Montana to your workshops, but gives them the opportunity in their space and in their time to do that investment in themselves in a classroom form, because I think it's very valuable. So I'm excited you're going to release that. <laughs> I am too. Good for you for doing it for yourself. The part of what I love about um, the online course I've put together is that I'm not sitting there selling things the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually giving real deliverables and takeaways. And it's really, uh, so there's a teaching and then there's time to write and we use live Montana images as the timer. Oh, which cool. Is really great. So, yeah. And so you're inspired by what inspires me. And then there's more teaching and then more writing time. And I, I, it's not Haven. I mean, Haven is ranked in the top writing retreats in the US. And I'm really proud of it because I love the way I've seen it really change people's lives. And again, it's not about me. It's I created the program knowing what every writer needs after years of walking that walk. And so the program holds my attendees and then I hold the program. And then the people at this beautiful ranch on a square mile of pristine Montana land, they hold me. So it's a very healthy symbiosis, but it's true. Not everybody can get on an airplane and come out mm-hmm. to do this work. So um, I tried to give as much as I could in this online course. I'm also working on a book right now about creative self-expression. And a large part of it is um, about writing and how to put your finger on the pulse of what it is that you have to say in the way that only you can say it. So I love it. 
I'm really devoting my life to helping writers uh, and people find their voice, whether or not they ever care to get published. But, you know, let's say you have to give a speech or Mm -hmm. uh, a eulogy or have that hard conversation with a child or a colleague or a boss um, or a spouse, whatever. We need to find that essential quality of what it is that we have to say. And for so many of us, um, we were raised with seen, but not heard speak when spoken to, maybe you can Mm -hmm. relate that don't show off. Who do you think you are? Part of how this whole thing started was that once the book came out, I suddenly was launched into the whole speaking circuit. So Mm -hmm. I would speak at these big women's conferences. I spoke for the Pacific Northwest writers association, um, in Bellevue, Washington, actually with Bill, Mm -hmm. um, but then um, I also was speaking at these huge women's conferences in front of like 2000 women at a time. And so they would come up after and I I heard the same thing over and over again. I have a voice. I know I could write a book. I, I have a story in me. And then they'd sort of look down and say, but who do I think I am? Somebody mm-hmm. else already did it better than I ever could. Or it's, it's, you know, self-indulgent at best. And that's when I realized I know how writing can free that voice, whether or not you ever care to be published. Because let's face it, you can turn a, pl- uh, turn a phrase or you can twist a plot or have a fabulous command of the English language all day long. But if you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's behind those words, you'll never build that bridge to the reader. And I'm directly quoting myself from this book on writing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Just pull that one out. But it's, it's, and especially if you have um, a fabulous command of the English language and know how to turn a phrase or twist a plot, the reader will feel frustrated because they'll think I should be connecting, but I'm not yeah, and exactly across the room. You don't want that to happen. So that's part of what I'm trying to do with people is help them tap into their intuition. That's mm-hmm. what drives authentic writing, whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction or, or whatever. It's that authenticity, that seeking of truth. Mm-hmm. That's, and you really can't teach that. No, nope, you can't. I love it. And I was going to ask you what your inspiration is, but I think you just shared it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what's really funny is, um, is that one of the reasons, one of the missions behind this podcast was I went to so many author readings that I'm like, um, I had heard so many authors get up and read from their work and it just, I couldn't connect with them for so different reasons. You know, they, they, it, it's a such a skill to be able to not just write the work, but to actually connect with an, a live audience and share that work in a reading format. Um, I think it's a beautiful skill when mastered, but it also can really be distracting and people won't maybe go to your written work if you can't um, connect with your audience in that form. And so one thing I want, why I ask authors to do readings because I want to give them another platform, another way of connecting to readers, almost a little less intimidating way because you don't see them. You can read it, you know, in this format where you don't actually see the people listening. And it has been amazing. I, I've, I, I feel like that was one of the big missions for the podcast, but it also has taught me so much about that beautiful skill of authenticity and connecting with people. And I've done a couple of readings with my work that's not published. And I was like, I get this part of it. I love this part of sharing the reading part with people. <laughs> Me too. I mean, what's better than being read to? That, at yeah. Haven, in our evening, we have about seven hours of class a day, but you never feel like you're in class. Yeah. The, the evening class is around this big, beautiful stone fireplace in this old renovated barn. And everybody gets a chance to read 
And it's just so, and we all have mugs of tea and these are small intimate groups, like seven to eight people. And it's just such, such a gift to not only be able to be read to, but also to have a safe place to read your work Mm -hmm. and not you know, I mean, this is a book I've been working on for eight years, um, but I still hope it goes right from my heart to yours. Um, at, at Haven, we're working on, um, you know, stuff that's not polished, that, that's not ready for publication yet. And so to to have a, a, you know, just because you're in a writing group doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. It's so important to Absolutely, find yeah. a safe place. So thank you for providing that, Vicki. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so great. And, and man, you've touched on so many things. We could probably do several podcasts together um, because you have so much wonderful wisdom and I, I really appreciate it. So listeners, if you're feeling <clears throat> as you're listening to this, you know, resounding in you, make sure you get on Laura's website. And if you can't get to Haven to workshops or you can't see her speak full time, make sure, you know, when that, when that, um, when she has her online class out, get it because <clears throat> investing in yourself and this craft is wonderful. Yes. Hmm. So Laura, as we finalize the podcast um, before we let you do your reading, so I'm so super excited to hear it. Um, can you leave with us um, before we do that reading? I mean, you've given us so many thoughts to think about, but what's one nugget, one thought you would want a listener that's maybe not a, re- a reader in the sense of looking for fiction reading, but they're an author like me that's starting out, there's such a huge hill to climb. What would you share with them? For somebody who's just starting out? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say half of the people I work with are just starting out. And and that's what I tell people that there's no preparation for Haven. Haven is the preparation because it sets you up psychologically and emotionally and and with all the community community and mentorship that you need and deserve from the beginning. Um, So uh, I would say you don't have to do it alone. Find support. And the most important thing you can do is read Mm. Read, read. I, I got into an MFA program and I almost went and I, um, I asked my favorite writer who became a friend by the end of his life. And he, he also, uh, he was from the upper peninsula of Michigan, but ended up living in Montana, Jim Harrison, the great, uh, late Jim Harrison. He was my mentor and, um, Aww. he and Terry and then some other wonderful writers too. And, um, he said, do you read every day? Mm-hmm. I said, yes. He said, do you underline everything in those books and never lend them out to anybody because they think you were crazy <laughs> because you end up journaling in the margins? Yes, Mr. Harrison. Um, do you have a writing group? And at that point I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, and do you have a mentor? And I said, no. And he said, well, you can find your mentor on the page. Oh. And so I never lend out my books. My my house is full of them. I look like a book hoarder and I really am. Oh, I'm a book hoarder. Guaranteed 100%. <laughs> Probably everybody listening to this is right. We're all not. My poor husband's always building bookshelves for me. <laughs> I know. Good man. He's a good man. Yes, um, so, it, you know, every so often I'll have a client who says, you know, I'm just not a big reader. And if you don't read, you can't mm-hmm. find the music and the cadence. And the other thing I'd say is that it's really important to read your stuff out loud. Absolutely. At the end of the day, because that's where you, he- I was just speaking with the woman who's going to be doing the audiobook um, for, for Willis Grove. And she was saying, I really love your dialogue because the book is full of conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's- between four women who are all at major crossroads in their lives and they need to be having these conversations because, uh, and I'm about to read why, um, but um, she said so many writers she finds 
don't read their dialogue out loud and they don't ring true. And so Mm -hmm. I've been reading my stuff out loud since the beginning. I started in 1988. I've actually probably written over 25 books. They're not all good. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, I have eight in the pipeline here, uh, novels, and then this book about writing that I'm looking forward to. So that's my advice. Um, uh, Learn from your mentors on the page write as much as you can. You do not need to write every day. Set yourself up for success, whatever that means to you. Mm -hmm. And don't do it alone. Ultimately, you need the community. I love it, Laura. And I really love that tidbit about finding the mentor on the page because I usually ask um, my authors and we just are doing something a little different than my usual questions. But I I ask almost every author, what's on their bookshelf? What are they currently reading right now? Because I do believe in in us reading other people's work and, and finding, like you said, finding that mentor on the page. And I think it's important that we encourage that. And also it helps to build up my reading list because <laughs> I am never out of books to read, but that's beautiful. So thank you for sharing that because that's one thing I, I now believe that I need community and I'm building that. And I do know that I need a mentor and I'm working towards finding that that partner in my life that can be my writing mentor. And I, so all those pillars that you talk about, I feel like I've been walking through that in the last year, realizing all oh, these are things that I need to be successful in this. And so you just nailed them. So wonderful. <laughs> Good for you. Well, and I'll also say that I often read outside of the genre, genre. Oh, and- yeah. Mm-hmm. It- in which I'm currently writing because mm-hmm. I write in three different genres. Mm-hmm. I don't write poetry mm-hmm. so that consistently what I read the most and especially to, um, you know, as inspiration at the beginning of my writing time is poetry. I love and poetry, I but I don't it. write poetry at all, but I love it. <laughs> that's why, And that's why I read it because I don't yeah. write it. So yeah. um, some of my favorite inspires are Naomi Shahab Nye. Mm-hmm. Um, is one, um, of course, Mary Oliver. And I, I love Jim Harrison's poetry the most, Ted Kuzer. Um, I could go on and on in that way. But so poetry, it, it's also something that if you're feeling stuck and we all feel stuck, you know, be kind to yourself. Have have some poetry books on your bedside table that not the hard poetry, right? No, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> easier to, and grab that and just read, you know, read, read, a, read a small poem that always heals me in some way from that stuck feeling and gives me permission to move forward. I love it. Well, Laura, you are such a blessing. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom in this teeny little podcast moment. Um, And so I'm going to go quiet like my listeners know I do, and I'm going to let you set the stage um, for your reading. So share whatever context around what you're going to read to share with the readers and then um, listeners, sorry, and um, go ahead and go for it. And then when you're done, I'll take us out of the podcast. Excellent. Thanks so much, Vicki. So I'm going to be reading from my new novel, Willa's Grove, um, which comes out this spring, 2020. And the subtitle is Four Women, One Week, One Question. And I'm just going to read uh, the very first chapter, which is short. But I want to begin, given the context of this community and our conversation, Vicki, I want to begin with the author's letter to the reader, which is at the end of the book, because it really shows what I want this book to do. So while it's a novel, it's really a model of what's possible in the way of creating temporary community. And I've learned this from leading my retreats in in these eight years. So while this book is not about a writing retreat, and there is some writing in it, it's about the power of temporary community um, for all the reasons that we discussed before. So 
It's a call to action and it also models what you can create. So you can actually read this book as a novel, but you can also read it as what's possible for you if you wanted to create your own retreat week. So let's say your name, let's see, your name's Vicky. <laughs> you could have um, a, a Vicky's Grove uh, retreat week or a Sarah's Grove retreat week. And that's what I'm hoping to model across the country. So the author's letter begins with a quote from the book um, that actually came from my mouth when I was at a party full of authors last year. And we were all talking shop and we were all discussing the hardship and the courage in the writing life. And I said, you know, we're all fluent in this language and in the language of community. And yet we so rarely speak it. It really is our mother tongue. And an author sitting next to me said, you need to write that down. Well, I ended up putting it in the book. So while none of these women in the book is me or anyone I know, they're all of us. They're all of us. So here's the letter to the reader. Dear reader, I have learned something that might just be the most important lesson of my life, and I would like to share it with you. There is a language that we crave, a language of the heart that grows from our worry and our wonder and our stories, rooted in our experience of this beautiful and heartbreaking thing called life. Too many of us have trained ourselves out of speaking that language. We were all fluent in it when we were children, but somewhere along the way we were taught or conditioned to forget it to not be honest when we are asked, how are you? And to not really listen to the answer when we ask others the same question. So many of us have lost our authentic voices and reduced our conversations to grocery store talk and texts with an emoji at the end. The truth is we long to be seen and heard and accepted, especially when we are in pain. Yet out of fear of judgment or rejection, we too often draw in and become islands rather than bridging to our family and friends. I know this because at times I've made that choice and the fallout from that led me to devote a major piece of my life to bringing people together in safe, intimate circles of self-expression, which led me to write this book. I wrote Willa's Grove to capture the power of people stepping out of the isolation and self-doubt that so many of us feel in times of transition and instead gathering together. These women show us that we don't have to endure hardship alone, nor should we. We have choices. If for whatever reason, connecting with our usual community is too fraught, we can instead create temporary circles, friend to friend to friend to friend, carving out small interludes from our daily lives, in order to focus on what comes next, to have those conversations we need to be having but aren't, to move boldly outside of gossip, small talk, pretending, and into the connection we so deeply need. I hope that in reading this book and in the spirit of Willa, Bliss, Harriet, and Jane, you will be inspired to reach out to your own dear friends, whether close by or far away, and that you will invite them to come together for short respites to support one another in the powerful way that people can when they give themselves permission to say yes to the profound invitations of their lives. My mission is this. We will start a movement of week-long interludes from the stresses and pain of our crossroads moments. And in radical and real communication, we will provide ourselves and our kindreds with a map for 
our next steps. Our voices deserve to be honored and heard. No one has your voice, no one. However we speak, now is the time for truth. And yes, we don't have to do it alone. Yours, Laura. So that's at the end of the book. And here's how the book begins. And I guess I should premise this with the fact that um, this takes place in Montana. And one woman is looking down the barrel of a major life change. Her husband has just died very prematurely. Her sons are off in college. And she is the maven of this small town of 35 people and has found out that there's no money in the bank account and she's going to have to sell the town. And she is persona non grata in the town and she's become a hermit and knows she's going to have to move on. And so she calls her dear friend from childhood who lives in Wisconsin, shares her feelings and her friend says, why don't we create some sort of a week-long interlude I'll you invite me I'll invite a friend and she'll invite a friend we'll all come to Montana help you to pack up the homestead and we'll all help each other answer the burning question that is in all of us right now all of these four women but pretty much everyone I know in the world and that question is so now what you know maybe things didn't go the way that that you'd planned and you have uh, to make some big choices about how to move forward in your life. And again, you don't have to do it alone. And so many of us become islands precisely when, when we're in those crossroads moments. So this is how it begins. And the first chapter is called The Women. On a typical day in their typical lives, three women went to their mailboxes and found, amid junk mail and bills and shiny flyers for unshiny things, an invitation sealed with a bold W pressed into sage green wax. They had been waiting for this invitation. They longed for it as much as they feared it, because to break this seal was to release a behemoth of a question, a question so impossible that they had almost stopped asking it. Each hesitated, looked around, and in respective order thought, sweet Jesus, what the hell? Here goes nothing, and slid her finger under the seal, revealing a thick handmade note card pressed with silvery leaves. Words winked up at them, words that might, if given the chance, change everything. They swallowed hard and pulled out the card. Inside, nestled with a wild bird feather, were the following words. You are invited to the rest of your life. You know you can't go on like this. Not for one more day. You need an interlude. Imagine this. You are in a farmhouse in Montana, wrapped in a soft blanket, sitting by a warm wood stove. There's a cup of tea in your hand, just the way you like it. There are women surrounding you who need this just as badly as you do. We all have the same question. The question is, so now what? Come to Montana and find out. Love, Willa. You don't have to do this alone. Each woman held the invitation to her heart drew in a deep breath before letting out an exhausted sigh that echoed from Connecticut to Wisconsin to California and back to Montana and went inside to call a dear friend. And then the book begins. So thanks for listening. How beautiful. Besides the fact that, you know, it, I do believe it's a longing in all of us that we have that 
that moment. Matter of fact, for Christmas, I asked for um, my husband, I said, I don't want anything but two weeks away to connect with myself in, in my writing. That's all I want. <laughs> and he's just like, okay, you know, mammoth, mammoth feet to get done for you. <laughs> you know, but we don't take that time. But I love, I love the premise and the idea of, of what you would like to see happen, a movement of, of these week-long interludes of people connecting with their, you know, their kindred spirits and, and moving along with that question. That's so beautiful. Yay. Bravo. (laughs) Well, and also what's, what's really nice about this model is that these women don't all know each other. Right. Mm -hmm, So like mm -hmm. often in our daily communities, we take each other so personally, it's like, you know, you know, another bad husband choice, or, you know, of course her kids screwed up because of the way she parented or whatever. We can pretty pretty cruel in our daily communities, although I am advocating for community within our daily communities. But sometimes you have to leave your daily community mm-hmm. and join with other people who are kindred spirits who have, you know, similar questions that they need to answer mm-hmm. and, and, and do it in a very deliberate way, which is how these women do it. And, and, you know, they're not all excited to be there. One of them's got her eye on the exit sign the whole time. There's a lot, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot of, you know, I don't want this to get too woo woo. And it, and yeah, it really, yeah. people who are, you know, we're in Montana. So the woman from Connecticut's pretty scared of grizzly bears, et cetera. <laughs> but by the end of it, in a very organic way, once they learn the power of telling each other their stories, you know, and keeping it safe, when's the last time that somebody asked you, to tell you, tell them your story. Exactly. Really, really listen and not judge. It's pretty rare. And that's why this book I think is going to land in the hearts of many people. I hope it does. Oh, how wonderful. And I can't wait for you to hear um, about retreats that had come together and then they share you share with you the story from instigation from somebody reading this book and saying, this is a great idea. I'm going to do this. And then you get to see the fruits of this book coming out and people you know, having those healing moments that they so well deserve. <laughs> Thanks, Vicki. I'm so excited about that too. Yeah, yeah. I'll be traveling around, like I said, throughout 2020, then the paperback will come out in 2021. So I'll be on the road with this message likely for the next few years. And I hope to see you all out there. Yeah. And please, if you're interested in learning more about Haven, um, just go to lauramunson.com and you'll see info about it. And then the next step is to set up a call to really dig into your creative journey and to um, discuss how Haven could be a match for you. Because yeah. like I said, even though everyone's working the same program, everyone's doing it a little bit differently and mm-hmm. it truly meets you where you need to be met. So That's wonderful, Laura. For all you, of us. you bet. So listeners, follow Laura's advice. If you're if this is if your heart's pounding and you feel a little bit like, oh man, I need to do this, please do it. I'm I'm definitely considering, you know, looking at coming out to Haven too. I think it's it would be wonderful. Um, so so you guys listen up. And if you heard this podcast and you met Laura for the first time, make sure you let her know you heard it on the podcast and and follow the journey with her and definitely pick up this book and, and um, maybe start your own retreat with a couple of people. I think that would be awesome. And then let Laura know. (laughs) So, so Laura, thank you so much for being here with us. I truly appreciate it. Um, And I look so forward to hearing so much more about how this book transforms people's lives.
Okay, and I'll be announcing all sorts of stuff on all my different so to, so, uh, social media platforms, um, Facebook, of course, and Instagram, and Twitter, and all that. So please follow me. There'll be lots of great information on all of those platforms. Awesome. Well, I will see you there on social media. So thank you so much for being here, Laura. <laughs> thank you, Vicki. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Follow us on social media and sign up for our newsletter where you can be entered automatically each month to win a signed free copy of a book from an author that's appeared on the podcast. You can find out more at our website, www.squishpin.com. And finally, if you're an author in the Pacific Northwest and you'd like to appear on the show, you can find out more on our website. So until next week, I hope you enjoy the journey. This is Vicki J. Carter signing off.